0: Welcome to the Vitamin SC3 podcast, a podcast sharing a variety of sickle cell stories made up of four different segments. The Creative Elixir with Mia Robinson, Caring is Giving with L. Cole, Essential RX, hosted by Dr. Lamitra Scott, and Self-Care is Healthcare, hosted by Dr. Marjorie Brewer. Each theme will give you more insights into the real lives of sickle cell warriors and their families. You will learn why we are bonded by blood and shared life experiences. The information shared on the Vitamin SC3 podcast is for informational or educational purposes only and does not substitute professional medical advice or or consultations with healthcare professionals. The podcast is powered by the Sickle Cell Community Consortium, founded by Dr. Lakia Bailey. To become a member of the Sickle Cell Community Consortium, visit sicklecellconsortium.org.
1: The Sickle Cell Consortium is a collaborative, designed a little bit like the United Nations in theory, so that we can bring together many organizations for sickle cell throughout the country and now throughout the world, as well as independent patient caregiver leaders, opinion leaders, advocates, those that are active in this space. And our goal is, what we've always done, is bring our community together so that we can create projects, priorities, initiatives. We can figure out what our the problems, needs, and gaps in the sickle cell community, and then figure out how we're going to collectively address this.
0: All right. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. We are super excited to interview our Vitamin SC3 mental health Host, we have Dr. Marjorie Brewer here. And I am just so thrilled because over the past few years, I've actually watched Dr. Marjorie. And I don't know if you're new to Dr. Marjorie, but last year she competed in a yoga contest. And every day I was like, I have to vote because this is someone in our community. And so I was telling friends to vote because, you know, when one person in our community wins, we all win. And so that was really my introduction to Dr. Marjorie. So today I am going to give you just a little bit of time to get to know Dr. Marjorie. And I hope that on this journey, you will listen and learn more about mental health and learn more about Dr. Marjorie's passion for health. So Dr. Marjorie, what made you want to become a doctor?
1: Oh my goodness. That's such a loaded question. I'm going to think way back. Actually, you know, early on in life, I had an uncle who was a physician and there was a way about him that was very compassionate and empathetic. And he was one of my favorite uncles and one, he usually used to come and visit for holidays. And one holiday he came to visit and he got sick, unfortunately. And it turned out what I know now, I didn't know at the time that he was actually having a heart attack. And I felt paralyzed at the time because I didn't have the tools to help him get through. Like I tried to remember what I saw from you know the television. I was just a high school student at the time. I was actually a candy striper. So I tried to remember everything that I knew to just help him hang on to life. And I remember that the ambulance made it there in time. He was still with us when he left the house. But by the time we got to the hospital, he had passed. And I remember this feeling in my heart that I never wanted to be in that situation again. I wanted to be able to have the resources at my fingertips to to help save a life if I could. And, And that was the beginning of my journey of wanting to go to med school, become a doctor, and really be committed to the process, actually.
0: That is a very powerful story. And my condolences. I know with feelings of loss, you know, just recanting that story, all those feelings come back. And for it to have made such a big impression on your life that you would want to devote your entire life to medicine and to helping people. I mean, it it made a big impact on the woman you are today.
1: Elle, you you are so right. Incidences. Incidences like that stay with you. And and I I was just saying you were so right. And they really mold you in a way that sometimes is unimaginable, the impact that, that lies within them and that stays with you over time.
0: Yes. So earlier, I said that you were a part of our community. And when I am talking about the community, I'm talking about the sickle cell community. Can you explain to our audience how you are, in fact, a part of our community? You are one of us bonded in blood.
1: Oh, I would love to share. So yes, I am a fellow warrior. Um, a community that is so resilient and so strong. I was actually a, a late diagnose, is, is always how I refer to myself. So I was, um, you know, I had pain growing up. I had episodes growing up and they got a little bit more intense during college. But every time I presented to the hospital, no one could identify exactly what was going on. And at the time, newborn screening wasn't law in the state that i grew up in and i'm from new york so fast forward to med school there are many things about this disease process that as a community we know that there are different stressors that increase it different environment triggers that might increase it well you can imagine med school in itself being a stressor that there was a steep incline in these episodes because at the time i still didn't know what they were during my first year of med school and it was an administrator actually in my school i'll never forget dr hamilton that i described my symptoms and she said "Hmm, looks like a duck walks like a duck must be a duck and at the time i was attending university of pennsylvania and the person who diagnosed me which to some of us in the community many of us this name will be very familiar was dr ohenny Frompong and he diagnosed me became my mentor became an uncle and guided me through that steep learning curve because of course you can imagine once i got diagnosed i was already in a medical facility the hunger for knowledge to know the specifics to inform my family to inform my support network and then to navigate and try to figure out how am I going to now, with this new diagnosis? So, this partner that I had all my life finally had a name. And with that name became the entire, I, I call it, you know, genotype, a trilogy of everything that goes along with sickle cell disease. And in finding out what my challenges were currently and what they could be, I kind of had to wrap my head around life in a completely different way but i always think back to that day that if anyone had to usher me in to this community and show me the the road so to speak in the land the landscape that dr henry from pong and the team at children's hospital took such good care of me in sharing that knowledge and educating me and keeping me safe that um, you know it it reemphasizes for me that everything happens for a reason and that I was found out exactly when I was supposed to find out. So that was my road to introduction, so to speak, into the sickle cell community. And then as an individual, I just became very empowered and very determined to always ensure that not only I was living my best life with this disease process, but that everyone around me was. And then I was was hopefully sharing whatever knowledge that I knew and the wisdom that I gained through my experience with everyone else.
0: Wow, that is powerful because every single one of us has heard about people who were diagnosed later in life. And sometimes people say, well, it can't be possible that you've had sickle cell all of this time and you didn't know. And I just want to stop for a second because we have to unpack that because you are living proof that someone can grow up, have pains and not know that they have sickle cell so when we hear these stories of people having sickle cell and and not getting diagnosed until they're until they're adults this is true this is a fact this is a reality that we are living in right here in the u.s not overseas not across the pond right here in the u.s and i think is very important for us to kind of talk about that because sickle cell is a genetic disorder so that means you were born with this disease and had it all of that time it's just that none of your doctors that you had gone to knew what to call it. Exactly. So can you kind of, as a physician, can you talk about why it's important for us to even acknowledge that this is a reality?
1: Such a good point. And I think, you know, one, the reality of knowing that it's fact helps us wrap our head around the realization that there are probably many of us out there suffering and don't have a name to attach to the, what the source of what that suffering is. I think the acknowledgement of that is number one, very, very important. Number two, as a physician, the acknowledgement that sometimes when you present to a medical institution, that the view is so narrowed that you would think that after presenting three, four, five times, Someone would think to look for that on their list, but because we inherently are so biased, it's almost like you want to fit a square peg into a round hole, instead of take the individual as they present themselves, which is what we are supposed to do, right? As healthcare providers, take all the pieces to the puzzle and really try to fit them together in the most probable picture without discounting anything. So I think that's another really important point to remember that we owe each individual this benefit of the doubt to treat the whole person and not think five steps ahead and already tell ourselves we think we know what's going on. So I think one is that there's you know a lack of the knowledge of those that are out there that probably have it, so many misdiagnoses Two, the approach to looking at the disease process is not wide enough. And I think the other thing that's very striking as a physician is that in missing some of these cases, then we don't really get an opportunity to fully assess the full picture. Um, As two individuals who are part of the community, you and I know that there is this diaspora of individuals living with sickle cell disease. And though we all have one name to it, we all Present so differently when we say phenotypically or even genotypically, we present differently, and that speaks to each person's individuality. So, and being able to also stay grounded in that so that you can uniquely approach the comprehensive treatment for individuals living with chronic diseases rare diseases specifically sickle cell disease for our community it's so important so that you can really look at the mind the body and the spiritual balance when you look at any disease process so for me when you talk about stories like that and they're very real as you said it's not like i was in a third world country that has no hospital system i'm in the mecca called new york with you know all these major institutional hospitals and i was still missed until my 20s and a, a disease process that is life-threatening um, is alarming uh, And my hope is that we are narrowing that gap and we're better able to see the differences in this disease process but that it, it is how it can be so varied but still anchored in some fundamental familiar familiar, um, points and really expand how we treat sickle cell disease.
0: I, I love that you just mentioned that the genotypes and the phenotypes in our community are different. There is so many different nuances to sickle cell. I'm a caregiver to a child with sickle cell SS. I have twins, but only one has sickle cell but my daughter has only had one major crisis. And she had that when she was five, she's now 13. And people say SS is the worst type of sickle cell. But again, her environment, the things that are her triggers, we like to teach her that while she's young, but just because her symptoms present less, she still has, she very much has the disease. It's still very prevalent in her life. And so, you know, we have to acknowledge that your genotype does not determine your destiny because sometimes in our community, we, we throw these genotypes around like, oh, that's the worst one. Oh, you have, you know, a certain genotype. You shouldn't be experiencing pain. And this conversation just brings up the fact that we have to stop doing that. Because everybody who has sickle cell presents differently.
1: Absolutely. It's a mosaic, I like to say. So each presentation for sickle cell disease can be as different as the individuals. We are all different individuals. And I like to say that every form of sickle cell disease is serious. Full stop for me. Everyone is and everyone presents differently also full stop. But we all as a community deserve the best care because then with the best care, no matter what your phenotype or what your genotype, the hope is that you will have the best quality of life and that we are still bonded uniformly and equally without any differences. So, you know, I, one, just, uh, you know, applaud you for saying it and can't restate it enough and hope that as we grow as a community, we can really release some of those labels and stand together as one. Because we are, you know, under one umbrella that is called sickle cell disease and that in those mosaics as it presents, and we are stronger together. And so as we move forwards, if we can do that hand holding, we all we're all better together as a community. I I love that you just said that.
0: As we bring this conversation to a close, I feel like we have touched on some major points. But one thing that you mentioned, you said while you were in med school that you had to learn how to treat the whole person. And that was yourself. You had to recognize, because med school is very grueling mentally. And getting a diagnosis in med school that states that you have a chronic illness that could change your whole world. But for you, I'm sure it changed your world on some, in some ways, but you also said, I'm going to still stay in school. I'm going to still commit myself to medicine but also you had to make a commitment to yourself to your mental health and your physical health is that what draws you to uh, mental health making it so important but you know can you kind of touch on that because i think it's remarkable that you were able to stay whole mentally in med school after receiving such a strong diagnosis. And the reason why I say it's a strong diagnosis because what we know is that the knowledge and research for sickle cell is ever evolving. We haven't arrived to this state where we know everything. And so at the time you were diagnosed, it was very different than it is today where we have a lot of hope. And so can you kind of unpack that just
1: a little bit for us? Absolutely. I, I feel like we need so much more time. But yes, um, with this evolving picture, that is sickle cell disease, there are so many nuances, new things, and, and more research that's still being done. And as you totally pointed out, when I got diagnosed with sickle cell disease, the sickle cell disease of back then is not what we know today of sickle cell disease. And I'm, I'm so happy to see that there is movement forwards. But I it, going back to your question specifically, there definitely was a mental resilience. So we talk about that this community overall, that we have strength, that we're very resilient, that we keep getting back up every time that we come down. And there is definitely a physical challenge. But the family that I was adopted within, um, at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, that family made sure that there was a nurturing of just not the basic science education, but also the nurturing of the mental wellness and the spiritual fortitude, because it does come with so many challenges. As you said, it is life altering, it changes how you approach caring for yourself and also the things that you have to be aware of and balance, as you said, as a caregiver, there are so many things that I know that you probably do that you have to balance in order to keep your child well. And I'm so happy to hear that she is well. But being able to identify the fact that this diagnosis came with a burden in itself, and that burden would challenge me on every level and every fiber of my being. If I only focused on the physical, I'd be missing so many other pieces of myself that a diagnosis like this affects. I think anything major in our lives, when they occur to us as humans, they don't just happen to one part of us, right? They happen to all of us. And we are definitely the whole human, a balance of the mind, the body, and the spirit. And so, I was definitely drawn to making sure that that attention to the balance existed in my life. And and as I developed what became my treatment paradigm, kind of all the things that I made sure that I did in order to stay well, I realized that I needed as much attention to my mental health and wellness as I did to my physical health and wellness and spiritual, because they all went hand in hand. And the better that I did in managing each, the better my quality of life became, the more balanced I felt, and the more, you know, human in quotation marks. Like, I felt like with the disease process that we have no control over, I felt like I had a sense of self and a sense of who I was. But it definitely required looking into all three, and that sparked my hunger for making sure that when we treat the person we treat the whole person. And you know as physicians and scientists you almost want to always fix the problem. And what became real was there was there was no quick fix. To many things in life there are no quick fixes. But particularly when we talk about our disease process in the community you really have to think beyond any quick fix and come up with all the components that help you be your best and live your best life. So that really ignited and started my journey down, making sure I gave as much attention to the physical as I did to the mental as I did to the spiritual in taking true comprehensive care of myself and sharing that with others. So I guess we
0: are in for a treat, learning more about that comprehensive care, treating the whole person. So with the segment that you're going to be sharing, what is your segment called?
1: Oh, so our segment is called the Sickle Cell Mental Health and Wellness Initiative segment, if I, if I remember the quotes correctly. With
0: mental health, being so closely related to self-care how can we start preparing so when when people listen to your segment should they bring a notebook or should they just bring an open mind and an open heart being willing to learn because you know for those of us who are in the african-american community Mental health is one of (laughs) those things where we haven't always embraced it as a community as being just as important as our physical health, which you just mentioned. So you are well beyond your years in knowing the importance of embracing both. And I applaud you for recognizing that early on in your journey because You know, I'm a mom now and I'm like, I have to learn these different things so that when my daughter comes of age, she'll have a better example. Because when I saw my mother, she was just taking care of us, but not taking care of herself. And I feel like that was the model that was presented for her. That your children get all of you the best of you and you get what's left over and that's not what i want my children to learn and so for for those of us who are new to this concept of self-care what what is in store for us
1: oh i'd love to share that so the subtitle I, i i think i gave the extended title of what is called Our specific segment is called self-care, health care is self-care, or self-care is health care. So let me just correct that right off the bat. But I completely agree with you in that the old model where we would see our mothers or parents, as you said, give to everyone and run themselves into the ground um, is not the model that we want to live by. I think what we see now, what society as a whole better understands is that in order to give your best, you have to take care of yourself in order to be your best. And what's important is that then the quality of what you can give increases. It's not about quantity, it's more about quality. So as individuals come to share in this self-care is healthcare, I want them to first be open-minded. Just be open to the possibilities, right? Open to, a chance that you'll learn something new, or you'll identify something that you're already doing that you didn't realize was really self-care, or someone will show you something that you're very interested in, and say you, even, you just wanna try it, and not give it any titles. And know that it's a moment in time that you're giving yourself a gift. Even to just be able to sit and pause, and listen is acknowledging that you as an individual, you're worth it. You're worth that investment to take care of yourself. So what I'd love for people to do is come to the table knowing that I'd love to be a partner with them in that journey of improving how they feel. You know, just feeling good in your own skin does so much for us along our journey of giving and doing and performing. And then once you hear something that resonates, something that clicks, you can come back and listen to it again. Take a note. You know, you can just play it, press rewind, share it with someone else. Take action, connect with us. But I think first and foremost is just come and listen with an open mind and an open heart and give yourself that moment of self-care. That's how I'd love people to show up.
0: All right, I am super excited about your segment. I just can't wait for us to be able to partner with you on this journey to learn what we need to do to stay balanced, to cope, to get through it all. So. As we close, I have some quick questions I want to ask you. So this is the part of the segment where I ask you, um, it's this or that. And so I'm going to ask you some quick questions. And I just want to know, you know, a quick answer. And then we will close. So this or that. Popcorn or chips? Chips. Books or e-books?
1: Books. I love a good book. I like the hard copy. I like to.
0: Indoor pool or beach? Beach. Water or wine? Water, water,
1: water. (laughs) Basketball
0: or golf?
1: Basketball, but I thought you were going to say football because it's football all the way. (laughs) All right, and this is our last one.
0: our hat. Head wraps. For sure. <laughs> All right. So, everybody. I am so glad that you are joining this journey to listen to Vitamin SC3 podcast. We have four amazing hosts that will be presenting to you different aspects of sickle cell and different aspects that you can learn from and take with you. So tell all your friends about it. It's not just for people who have sickle cell, but for people who love people with sickle cell too. So Dr.
1: Marjorie, do you you have any final words for our audience oh my goodness I'm one I'm just so happy to be able to share in this partnership I want people to keep in mind that first you just have to become aware and then when you become aware you can educate yourself and with education comes power and with power comes change and I love to be able to partner with you guys meet you guys, join you guys where you're at along this journey. It's going to be a party.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, folks, you've heard it here. So be sure to tune in week after week. Be sure to check out our show notes page in your podcast player and tune in next week for the segment Creative Elixir with Mia Robinson. Please, Stay tuned because the episode is entitled, Sickle Cell Doesn't Stop This Warrior From Creating Angelic Faces.